that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where lower the friction comes in by putting a protective lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to lowerthefriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's lowerthefriction.com. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the weekly Secrets of Saturn livestream. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. This week, I am joined by Crow Triple Seven and the Great Baldini. We were supposed to do something different, but at the last moment, Wayne McCroy had something come up, so he will not be joining us tonight. Hence, why I changed the title at the last second. Just going to be the three of us, and we're going to have a little bit of a chat about recent events and things that we've been going through lately. Gentlemen, welcome aboard. Ahoy. Howdy. So, Crow, we were just having a discussion on the whole astrological notion of things, sidereal versus tropical, and some thoughts you had on that. So I'm going to hand you the conch and let you start this. Um, does that make me piggy? Did you break my glasses? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, at least you got the reference. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you get the talking stick. Yeah. I think it was a conch. Um, yep. I've got an actual family story about a conch, but uh, not here, not how. Um, yeah, well, I was, um, we're, tonight at midnight, I'm releasing episode 287 with Athen Comente, who's a sidereal astrologer. And so we had him on some months ago, and he made a prediction for December 14th that that's when they would release the vaccine. Um, and Jason had forgot that he said it. I forgot that he said it. We all did. And then, yeah, <laughs> we all funny. did. And all these subscribers started emailing. So, of course... I have to email Rose and say, Rose, did this happen? So Rose gets into the transcripts and says, yes, it did. 
So he nails, using sidereal astrology, he nails that the vaccine would likely begin delivery uh, on December 14th, which it did. In the state of Rhode Island, it was exactly on that day. I don't know if everywhere, but, you know, the, the national news was spouting off on that day, regardless of whether it was a day or two off. And it got us thinking. So first thing we did is we had Athen back um, to address these ideas. But when I called Athen, who's in Portugal, stuck in Portugal because of Covidius minimus, um, he tells me uh, he's starting to think that the big boys play by the sidereal sky clock. For people who don't know what that means, I'll just flesh it out a little bit. When you say sidereal in reference to astrology, basically what you're saying is every calculation I make is based on the sky that is literally over my head. If I go outside right now and I can see Gemini, um, then I'm going to say that right now is under the influence of Gemini, these kinds of ideas. Inversely, and basically to make it perfectly clear, we owe just about every definition we have to tropical astrology like what does Aries mean or what does anything mean? That came most of it, as far as I know, I could be wrong, but as far as I know, that came to us through tropical astrology. What tropical astrology does is it rolls one sign backwards um, because of the supposed precession of the equinox, which is supposedly our Earth is spinning like a top, which I don't accept, but precession is provable. Every 72 years, we slip a degree. That's not arguable. It can be demonstrated. My point here is, is I think Athen may be right. I'm starting to look more carefully at it. I think that maybe the big events are planned to the to the sidereal or the actual sky above our head. Um, but I'm not saying that tropical is wrong. Uh, I'm actually taking a hermetic stance. I'm saying they're both valuable. It's like having two tools in your toolbox that you will never use at the same time. But in a certain given circumstance, you would absolutely use one in one condition and, and the other in another condition. But there's all that, Jason. So let's, yeah, let's break that down some more. Now, tropical is the one that uh, is the common one. Like if you go into a store and they have little scrolls of astrological things, stuff like that. That's why I never put a lot of stake into anything astrological. It's like, well, this could be about anybody. And I didn't know the difference. I didn't know that there were more than one kind. I know it now, obviously. And I've, I've asked Ethan quite a few questions. And it makes so much more sense to me that if you're going to use something in the heavens to to judge things on, shouldn't it be on, on what you actually see when and where and how it all interacts and all that properly, right? It's problematic. And I'm not, I'm not expert enough... Um, to try to make a stake either way. I know what I accept, but I know people that have spent their whole lives looking at one method or the other. As a matter of fact, I know a lot more people who've done tropical who will make an argument, good arguments in a lot of directions. But the truth of it is, is if I was to ask you, so from my point of view, there's probably two very important moments if you accept that the stars are influencing what goes on down here, which is provable if you ever understand what nature is doing. Like, why do hermit crabs do what they do? Or why does the entire barrier reef spawn on the same day? every? It's because it's of the sky clock. It's provable. Point is, is when you get the divine spark at the zygote, that would be an important moment to use the ideas that the influence of the stars matter at that moment. The next time will be attached to your so-called birth, 
it's more specific than that. I would estimate that it's when you take your first breath. Your breath in alchemy is your spirit. So you're ingesting your spirit at that moment and the influences that will begin to shape the possibilities going forward. So if I was to ask you, how would you try to calculate out what matters? Would you go outside and look up and say, this is exactly what I see now over my head? Or would you calculate back to some other supposed time when the systems were put together, which don't line up with the sky anymore? Um, and I know a lot of people will have a lot of views. For me, sidereal is the way that I will go, but you can't discount tropical. Almost everything we learned or know, as far as I know, came through tropical to us. Um, so that that's the closest I can come. And do we know why so, it's called tropical? The yeah. Tropic of Capricorn, Tropic of Cancer. Right. <laughs> oh, well, so help me. So help me out a little bit, um, <clears throat> Crow. So 25 years ago, when I was introduced to some of these um, ideas of sidereal versus um, tropical astrology, and that was about when I was introduced to the different ideas. The person who introduced me to the, those ideas also introduced me, and what she used was what she specifically called sun signs at, on a day-to-day -day basis versus uh, more of the house basis. Um, can, can you clarify for me the difference between um, make sure that I, I'm on the right page there in, <clears throat> in terms of um, the difference between sun signs as a day-to-day -day, um, type of astrology versus the sidereal versus yeah, I, tropical? I, I, I actually can't um, okay. because there's actually more than just sidereal and, and tropical. There's right. Vedic ideas. There's all these other right. ideas. But in the episode we put up tonight, um, Athens starts to say things like it doesn't matter what method you're using because this is the house that matters right now. Right. Um, so, so this plays into it. And from, from my part, I differ in some ways, um, based on all the old reading that I've done to me, if I was going to describe the whole system, I would describe it like this, all the luminaries, all the stars, the sun and the moon are here. They are in our vicinity of existence. I would further say that every luminary, um, like anything that has a frequency or anything else will be a representation of influences, which is to say, uh, I could go out today and it could be snowing. I could go out today and it could be raining. I could go out today and it, it would be warm. Um, there's no guarantee any one of those things is going to happen, but eventually all of those things are going to happen. Well, what but, do you think? What do you think, Crow, about the idea <clears throat> that's been floated about in uh, many ancient cultures, uh, as well as some more modern ones, um, that the luminaries not only are influential but may in fact be sentient? What, what do you What do you think about those ideas? Well, if I want to go to places that I never talk about on the air, I would agree wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, from my point of view, you cannot put a boot on the sun or the moon, or a star or a so-called planet. Can't be done. You are tuned to here. You are living in the equivalent of an alchemist's alembic, a sealed hermetic encapsulated thing. Everything we will ever have is here. Nothing's coming, nothing's going, per se. In other words, the amount of water that's ever going to be here is here now. Now, it might turn in. Alchemically, it might be ice or air or whatever water can be in this system. But when you start to get into the ideas of where do we go when we die, then you have to face down the question that you just asked me. Almost everywhere before maybe 
the early 1900s, maybe the late 1800s, had the idea of things like the astral plane. Every old tradition of spirituality has the mm. three or five bodies idea. You have a Buddhic body. You have Dharmakaya. That would be the Buddhist representation. Uh, the Nirmanakaya. These are all different bodies. As a matter of fact, we talked with Mandara Cromwell today on cymatics, and she brought up this very thing um, from... If I had to take a majority opinion from the oldest texts I've read, when you die, their idea is you're going to the astral plane probably. It's not guaranteed. Um, that's the next closest. And from their point of view, the astral plane is not this heaven-like place, though it can be. There's also a dark side of the railroad tracks. Um, it's gone so far that there are people who were occultly initiated and adept that tried to say, Anyone who's a repetitive drug abuser or alcoholic are being influenced by the dark side of the astral plane. And it's some pretty serious studies that these folks are laying down. I mean, enough that you can't just shrug it off. Um, so these ideas are here, and they used to be commonplace. So I think what it comes down to is people got to go on their own where they think is correct. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, yeah, I find it pretty fascinating that um, that I the idea that was, uh, you know, for insofar as we can tell, millennia was commonplace that uh, they were um, sentient, um, you know, right be, beings uh, is uh, almost unheard of to to the modern mind, and I find that fairly <laughs> remarkable well, it, that they're not way, even aware that 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 was once held to be true. Well, that's um, that's because of our religions. Actually, you have if you're Christian, you have a representation. If you're Catholic, you really have a representation. We think the angels idea is. Have you ever seen the angels of the age like the Archangel Michael, um, Samael? Um, there's a list of them um, yeah, in, a, in a Catholic sense. I mean, yeah, they have their way of putting it out. Sure. <laughs> so so this, it has been suggested that this is categorically encoding these very same ideas in the Catholic manner. And since we all know that everything that is called Christian got its start in the Vatican or prior to the Vatican, but ended up being funneled through the Vatican, mostly, that's not 100% true, but mostly, um, the prayers and, and the Gospels and the things that we hold, most of them came through the Vatican, um, and they've, they've changed well, what's what's considered what's held by the Vatican to be true? I mean, it's <clears throat> there's a wide, very you know, as with most things, there's a very wide, <laughs> you know, that's why there's over a thousand different denominations, right? <laughs> it's like well, a very well, wide range. We also uh, know that the Vatican it, knows more about this stuff than they ever right. discuss with their zillions of parishioners. Right, is. and coming, and coming the, into the Renaissance, the Vatican was whole hog into the Old Testament Kabbalah, Plato as their kind of savior, so to speak. And I'm not kidding. And the other part of that was Hermeticism, <laughs> and those three things together were basically reflecting the the older arcane ideas that they currently called pagan that you could be busted hard or maybe even put to death for. Uh, for being what they called a pagan at that point. That's what they were actually doing behind the scenes. And you can demonstrate it at this point. And which so is, as, which is as they hilarious. were doing this, it made it into scripture, by the way. Um, almost all of it. 
How many people have ever read Job seriously? As a matter of fact, the, the episode image that I'm putting up for tonight has passages from Job. The crow is thinking a Job passage, and the little thing I write over the guest box, those are both from Job. So if you don't understand that the sky clock is completely wholly encoded in these things, you're kind of missing the boat. Well, I think that the <clears throat> you're gonna find the sky clock encoded in, in a lot of different. <laughs> Absolutely. And a lot of different things, right? It's not not just there, but in a variety of different places. So uh, I think that um, it's it's more than just that, but it certainly is in there, right? Uh, for sure. In other words, I don't think there's a um, secret decoder ring that, <laughs> that this is this and this is this, right? That just like flips it over. But certainly you're going to find most of these um, ideas encoded in a lot of places. Uh, certainly it's interesting that um, with the Catholic Church, uh, no doubt, um, that they're playing both sides of that coin in, in that um, Catholicism uh, as an overlay onto the idea of Christianity is, you know, that they're, they're, that they're going after pagans is hilarious because – Catholicism is paganism overlaid over Christianity. <laughs> I right. mean, just it's you a get, one for one you overlay. Get saints instead of God's <laughs> yes, nature. Yes, basically. yes, exactly, exactly. So I, I find it um, ironic to the extreme right. that they they say this is bad, but this is good, but this is really the same thing with a different name on it. Well, how many times have I said, and I will continue to say, that the Roman Empire never fell, it just morphed over into being being the Catholic Church. And it's still super powerful. I think all the stories that they told us are probably poppycock. Or or at least twisted. The Roman Empire is nonsense, in my opinion. Yeah, well... If you read Marcus Aurelius, and he's supposedly a Caesar, it sounds like you're listening to a Buddhist monk. It is polar opposite of what you would expect a Caesar to be doing, but then again, it's claimed for those three rulers was the best time to be a human being on the planet, whether or not that's true, but in, in terms of a good Dakota ring, there kind of are. You know, not for everything, uh, but for the things that were occult that mattered, the sky clock being chief among these ideas, uh, the Christian mystics, they never lost the thread. Maybe that's not 100% honest. They didn't lose the entire thread. They held on to important parts of it that would allow us to get back and believe it or not the oldest tarot decks are completely concerned with scripture and the older ways um and and to quote what i pulled from the book of job is one line is knowest thou the ordinances of heaven that's a question do you know the ordinances of heaven i pulled it from the king james and the other one which is just so bold on the face of it i don't know how we came through church for so many generations, not understanding the sky clock mattered. Canst thou find the sweet influences of the Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? So in other words, can you, can you bind up the, the, well, the, the positive influences of the Pleiades or can you undo or remove the stars in Orion's belt? No, you know, said. and you know, it's it's interesting, um, Crow, that um, <clears throat> that was one that uh, I pr- probably was in my early to mid twenties, maybe I don't know, er- early twenties, probably uh, before I was aware of that. That um, <clears throat> the original, uh, according to as, as best I can tell, again, it's very difficult to find some of these things out because they've been so occluded over over time. Uh, but that um, uh, Abraham, right, was uh, originally attributed as being one of the best uh, early astrologers and they used the term astrologer and that didn't go over well 
with you know within the the Christian tradition, um, they have always seen divination and astrology to be you know a bad thing and of the devil, hallelujah, <laughs> right? But it very clearly says that the magi who came to um, present gifts to Jesus were in fact astrologers. They were following the stars, and uh, if you go back, you know, again, old uh, far enough and uh, prior to even um, Moses having re- written um, the first five books of the, of the Bible, which is the Pentateuch. Um, that the original um, story was lined up with the, with this um, sky clock, and that, that each of those um, figures were used to tell the story. Uh, so e- each uh, of the characters are also of- playing a role. And by the way, in the same lines from Job, I just pulled. He talks about Maseroth. Do you know what that is? It's the zodiac. Oh, I got the verses right here. I just pulled them up so we could talk about it. Job so, thirty-eight thirty-two. So find he does one. two full um, two full chapters on Leviathan in Job. So well, that that has like I've read something like six levels of meaning on on that one passage, um, and who knows how deep it goes. But find the part on Maseroth, Jason. That Maseroth is it is a clever word for zodiac. Yeah, that that is its actual definition. So let's start with the first one I found. Job thirty-eight thirty-two. Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season, or can you guide the bear with its children? Bear with a capital B. So, so we need to express what he just said. So the first reference is to the Zodiac. You, you, can a man rewrite the stars? Do you, do right. you have any power to change the turning of the zodiacal wheel over your head? No. The second one is critically important because he's talking about Ursa Major. Right. That's what the we bear. call the Big Dipper, and that's in reference to Polaris, the northern star that never sets. Right. Um, there are levels and levels of meaning in what you just read. Okay, how about Amos 5.8, he who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Yeah, I mean, it's basically talking about influence, but what version are you using? Oh, let's see. I just pulled up the first one that had them. See, I was going to go back to Job 38 since you were already there, right? And we were speaking earlier of the... There's quite a few here, so we got plenty to talk about in this stuff. Of... Of whether um, they were those um, the luminaries are sentient, uh, and it's uh, so right at the beginning in Job uh, thirty-eight verse four. Were you where were you when I laid Earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. And so it gives them uh, very clearly, um, again, um, personality there, right? It, it certainly shows that they were um, had life there. The morning stars sang together uh, as the angels shouted for joy. This is um, at the first day of creation. So, uh, again, right there, um, it, it, all the way through um, Job 38, uh, it, it does uh, a, a very <coughs> circuitous route. <laughs> I always go of the stars. Just so, just so people know, I asked Jason is because the sixteen eleven nine eleven encoded Bible of whose Bible is it? King James Bible. That's who Bible it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the King James Bible of sixteen eleven is the basis for almost the entirety of the world we're living under in terms of law and so many other things. And it's also the reason why when you walk into a courtroom, there's a Bible. Do you swear to, swear to tell the truth? All that nonsense. What I often do is I bounce everything I read out of a KJV, King James, doesn't have to be 1611, but that's better, with the 1599 Geneva. I like the Geneva Uh, better, yeah. 
1599 Geneva is said to be one of the Bibles that came here when people wanted religious independence. It is claimed that one of the most prominent Bibles in the New World, where we are, uh, was the Geneva. So it's good to do that, because I can show you Bibles where the word heaven is actually translated to sky. There's a pretty big difference between those two ideas when you're talking about Christian tradition, right? When someone yeah. says heaven, you're thinking of this magical place where a dude with a white beard's giving you everything you want and life is good. When you say sky, heavens. you're not thinking that. It's so so helpful to use um, a variety of tools when you're looking at this stuff, like an interlinear, Strong's concordance, that sort of stuff, because you can get a better look at what the um, you know what the original language was trying to say. And e even then, um, cultural context is often lost, right? Because we're not an agrarian society. <laughs> you know, we don't um, we don't yeah, connect well. Chats, yeah, we don't connect well exactly with all a lot of stuff in terms of uh, you know <laughs> uh, the sheep, right? That sort of the sheep are not very smart. And <laughs> so when he said you're my flock, that wasn't a compliment. Did <laughs> you imagine us can you imagine us rewriting it now? And Moses got old and lost his marbles in a thousand years they're writing it and say, Where are the sacred marbles? The sacred marbles <laughs> <laughs> He could not find them and behold his marbles were lost. Present the sacred fury. <laughs> and there was great angst. <laughs> <laughs> and lo behold behold uh, they lost the rest of the cocaine <laughs> and there, <laughs> oh here we go <laughs> and there was no rejoicing <laughs> oh. but if you're uh, if you're interested in some of those versions um, a great resource for that is just bible.com um, they also have a free app that you can uh, use but they have a variety of translations including the Geneva translation uh, and I think there are uh, over 80 different translations in English there um, including the world messianic Bible um, there's a great version of um uh, of psalms if you're interested in it it is just the psalms but it's uh it's done in like an iambic pentameter uh, mm. so it's an interesting uh version of that but there's a, a message version which is a very modern um more of a paraphrase but if you want to compare stuff uh specifically for example um the uh, 1611 uh, that crow is talking about versus the geneva bible versus the king james and the king james with the apocrypha um, and the apocrypha does include a number of different books there's the there's a psalms of david in meter that's the iambic pentameter from 1650 so there's a variety of different versions there uh, bible.com uh, and you can just take a look at the uh, different uh, comparative versions uh, there. I dropped so the link, it, by know, the way, for you guys. Yeah, Jason Skype. just sent me a link, and I'm scanning Th through all the at. kind of sky clock listings. It's almost amazing to me that the men in black were able to steer the thinking of the so-called masses so easily, because this is clearly, clearly talking about the sky clock and yet everyone yeah, was convinced <clears throat> that mm -hmm. if you looked up then you were a sinner and that yeah, was evil that's what i wanted to get back to crow that's the the amazing part right is that the story that's told throughout the ages right uh, of the creator is like hey don't look there like we're the church now yep. <laughs> right we're the church we're, we're we come between you and god but hey don't look there don't look up <laughs> Can you imagine right? how many zillions of years it took, though? Like, think about the the people who were living in nature, and this is what they did. This is what they always did. They had to literally beat it but out of them. They had to torture some, some it out it, of them. Yeah, but some of it, it, I mean, as we got to the 60s and 70s, some, listen to this, Revelation 12, 1 through 17. And a great sign appeared in heaven. Here's the example I just made. Okay, we're in heaven, right? Everything's beautiful. Yeah. We're in the afterlife. A woman clothed in the sun 
with the moon at her feet. Okay, wait a minute. I better go back and look at heaven again. So yeah, a that great, word there, a, a, that, a great that sign word. appeared in the sky. <laughs> yeah, in fact, that, that word there is a Greek word, and that is actually the firmament. Um, so that's the that's above the sky, but below the heavens. <laughs> well, that, that, so it's that, got a specific well, place. It's got its own problems because it's got its it place, sounds yeah. like you're talking about something solid, which you are. And yet right. for all these years, they were claiming, oh, no, it's, that just means sky. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, they have done a variety of different things. And if you um, if you spend a, a, you know, any amount of time really looking at uh, scripture and especially translations, what you'll see is uh, that uh, a, a variety of different people translate things to um, benefit themselves, <laughs> as you might well imagine. <laughs> right. And uh, you certainly see these things with um, one of the big issues, for example, within Christendom um, was always sort of like uh, one of the things you mentioned, of course, I would say within Christian within all of spirituality, right? It has to do with the state of the dead and what happens to you when you die. And um, there are different ideas, even within Christianity, right, about what happens there. there there's evidence uh, uh, in Scripture that, uh, that you just go to sleep, right, that you, you just go into Abraham's bosom and you're, you're uh, kind of a comfortable dreaming state. And then there's other evidence, you know, that you go different places. Like there's all, there's all kinds of evidence. And it it's all seems to be somewhat contradictory. Um, <clears throat> but what the, the part there is that depending on, again, whom you ask and their translation, uh, they uh, used optimism or confirmation bias to, re to very clearly say things that are um, – when you read the original language, it's, it, it seems in, intentionally obtuse. It seems like it was intended to be pretty vague. Uh, and then what they do instead is to very clearly say something, and they change completely the meaning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, it's it's overt, right? Um, you can see this in a variety of different places. So the uh, basically the denomination that translated it was uncomfortable uh, with the way that that landed. Uh, so they just – they essentially just changed it to whatever they wanted to say. And we see this in a variety of, of different places. Um, there is, um, yeah, yeah, I'd have to uh, pull up a couple of those different ones. But uh, specifically, there there is three or four different places like that uh, on uh, a variety of different topics that are um, ha have arguments back and forth within Christendom. And different um, denominations have translated, <laughs> translated yeah, scripture. Here's to, the problem, man. It's all dishonest. So here I am in the 1599 Geneva online, which is what people are using now that are actually trying to learn something, because clearly when you go to the 1599 Geneva, you're not reading the NIV or just taking KJV at its word. You're checking, right? So canst thou bring forth Maseroth? Oh, wait a minute. There's a note here. What does Maseroth mean? Certain stars, so-called, <laughs> some think they were 12 signs. <laughs> All right, then we go on. Canst thou also guide Arcturus with his sons? So, oh, there's a footnote on Arcturus, which is right. the brightest star in Boades, the herdsman, you know, the shepherd. <laughs> uh, and it says here in the footnote for Arcturus, the North Star with those that are about him. No, Arcturus is not the North Star. Polaris is the North Star. Right. Arcturus is adjacent in the, in the sign, not zodiacal sign, in the constellation of Boades the herdsman, the shepherd, basically. It's, I mean, it's not that hard to understand that you're being, they're fibbing. Well, you know, it's interesting telling lies. And, you know, it's interesting in some places, too, because if you go, for example, in the fourth chapter of uh, Revelation, uh, it describes uh, seeing the Ancient of Days and sitting on the throne. And depending on, again, which version you look at, each of them use uh, a series of stones 
to describe uh, the nature of the colors and what it looks like. Uh, and yet each description, uh, as you go through the trans different translations, are fairly different. Uh, in that they're, in, they're all using colored stones to describe it, and yet um, all the colors can be somewhat different. When you go back to the um, to the original words and you try to figure out why that is, um, again, that was written in Greek, uh, and some of those words, they know it was a gemstone. They just don't know what its direct translation was, right? So they're like, ah, I don't really know. Uh, and so, again, even though Greek is a living language, some of those descriptions um, do seem to be lost to time. It was just a, a description for, like, for example, a gemstone. They just don't know, right? And so some of those things do get kind of, um, uh, again, lost to idioms, lost to uh, um, iconography, this sort of stuff. Uh, and some of it does seem to be directly, um, uh, intentionally uh, designed to mislead people. Yeah. You think? I mean, even the footnotes in these religious sites are still basically not being honest. Well, maybe um, they're pulling by the old way, Kenobi and just saying from a certain point of view. No, you can't do it. You want to call Arcturus the North Star? You're lying. And they're doing it in a sly way because they're calling it the North Star with his sons. So it's actually the other way around. Polaris is the North Star, and maybe you could call Arcturus one of his sons because it's a star in the vicinity. If you wanted to be, you know, poetic in the way you're delivered, it's still a lie. <laughs> you know? Why are you hiding that? What difference does it make if someone knows that that is the star in the herdsman? The shepherd. Oh, maybe that's why they're hiding it. <laughs> Just saying. Should we go through some more of these? We could we could do right here. Genesis 1.14. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and there for it days is. You, you in just, years. You just got told that, that astrology clock. matters. Yes, to signs and it just told you that astrology matters, and since the only signs we have are the zodiacal signs, everything else is a constellation, he basically just told you to pay attention to the 12 signs. Well, right, right out front, it says, there it is, it says, oh, by the way, these are four signs and seasons and days and years. You might want to pay attention here. It is. All right, let's see. Psalm 147.4. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. <laughs> yeah, he also says that he knows. All, he, he also says that he he knows all of them by name, right? Um, so he says that about his angels too, right? Yes, or, uh, his or his sentient planets. <laughs> right, right. I don't think sentient planets, but sentient beings, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty common. Again, within, um, for example, the. Uh, major Old Testament prophet Daniel um, refers to most of um, the wise men, generally calls them astrologers uh, and conjurers, diviners, uh, and Chaldeans, right? So the astrologers basically was the, the, the term. astrologers of all time, according to history. Yeah, that's, that's basically the term that they used. So, uh, and again, um, we were told uh, from most of the um, ancient materials that, uh, again, Abraham, who was the father of three major religions, uh, was a primary, astro primary astrologer, right? And uh, if you go back to look at the book, I believe it's Maccabees, <clears throat> which is one of the apocryphal books, um, his, uh, at his birth, um, and this is where they go all the way back to uh, Tubal Cain. <laughs> Mm. You, you'll you'll note that mm. uh, that name show up 
inventor uh, of everything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that um, he the um, uh, there was a astrological a sign a star that appeared um, at his birth, uh, and the astrologers uh, told the king Tubal Cain and um, Abraham's dad, and he, he was Abram when he was born. Uh, his dad was a uh, one of the major viziers for the for the king uh and they told him that uh, this is a bad sign for you O king tubal cain that uh, this guy will fuck up your kingdom royally uh and so he uh basically tried to buy the kid from his dad said uh, tell you what I'll, I'll i like you so i'll pay you for it <laughs> <laughs> gotta love it uh you gotta love it yep and so Send um your children he, and yeah, so what he did essentially, the story goes that he uh, he took one of his servants' uh, kids who had just uh, three days prior had a uh, had a baby, so um, took their kid instead, sold it to him. He killed it right in front of him, smashed his head into the ground. He's a really nice guy, uh, and said, "Okay, thanks, I appreciate that." Um, and then finds out, you know, some twenty years later, <clears throat> that he did not actually. Um, kill the right guy. That's a whole big hairy story, but I think the uh, apocryphal book of Maccabees, I believe, is where that story is told. Fascinating stuff. Uh, but Tubal Cain, yeah, is that character? The apocrypha. <laughs> a lot of a lot of Catholic Bibles have the apocrypha in them, or people mm-hmm. who are Catholic, because I have a version or two of that. Yeah, Maccabees interesting. Is in it, few books yeah. are in it. Why would yeah. that be so? Why would the Catholics do that? It's interesting. Um, they do. They draw a number of different prayers out of it. Um, they have very specific prayers. So most uh, Protestant is this where they get a lot of the angel names and stuff from. Now that I think about it, it is. Yeah, that's yeah. where they get a lot of the uh, angel and demonology. Yeah, both come from, and they yeah, have hierarchy. Isn't most of that based in in Kabbalah or Hebrew or Kabbalistic? Doesn't that always much of it back does that way? Yeah. Yes, much of it does come from there in the Book of Solomon. Um, and that is part of the um, part of the apocrypha as well. Uh, so it comes from that's a root source as well. So there's a variety of the ancient Kabbalistic traditions um, and uh, Jewish lore. Um, for example, um, Lilith is part of that tradition. Mm. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's extra, what we call extra biblical. It doesn't appear anywhere in those uh, traditions or the apocrypha, the, the other specific books of the, of the apocrypha, uh, but that do appear in um, Kabbalistic and other Jewish um, mythos. Um, Would it for be example. fair to say that there's some apocrypha that's less apocrypha? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> some of the apocrypha gets treated more seriously than actual canonized. Well, it know. does. In fact, um, Jesus uh, quotes from the Book of Enoch, as well as uh, his brother James quotes from the Book of Enoch, and uh, the Wouldn't Book of Maccabees. Stand to say that's important, then. Sorry to interrupt, but like that—that that really does give strikes it weight. me as like. Depends well, what hey, corporation you're the worshiping figure with. is using it, it might matter. It does give it some weight. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does give by, it some by weight. By the way, Jason, you know Adam. Adam got remarried, right? <laughs> uh, no, no. See, I'm I'm not a Bible scholar, so this is kind of a fun conversation with me because I'm not sitting here going, "Oh, I know all this stuff." I don't know all this stuff. What What is the I I haven't well, looked, Lilith, what is the actual, yeah, the, well, Lilith. Well, Lilith, I thought was the first wife. Well, there's there's probably according to the Jewish you go back thing. to Genesis. Oh, okay. There's two creation stories told. Most people don't know, and most people don't know half the things they should know. Like when the Ark. Did you know that they take two of all the unclean beasts? You know how many of the clean beasts they take? Seven, Seven pair. That makes sense. So it's, you know, all these pretty major things. But Lilith is like after the two. 
gen- the, the creation story with Adam and Eve is told twice. And but then, she's but Lilith isn't in the Bible at all. She's she's no, part of no. she's so part what of I'm the, saying is there's two creations and then there's Lilith. Or maybe I've got that backwards. Maybe the Hebrews think no, they know that even the Hebrews say Lilith comes after Eve, right? No, they say she came first. So okay, the, that's who right. would she be Eve. then though if But there's another so there's another tradition too. There's another Hebrew tradition that holds that um <clears throat> that when the that the serpent so the um in Christian tradition it's sort of um I don't know assumed but it's never explicitly stated that the serpent is the devil it never explicitly says that there's some stuff because it calls him Mikash, the shining one um there's some interesting study that has to go along with that but that, so it's it never more implied expli- is what you're saying it, I'm sorry it's more implied than anything it is. It is more implied. There's an implicature there, um, but it never explicitly says so. It never more tradition, I would say. Someone yeah. put it into the dialectic and it ran with it. Well, there's some interesting stuff there, Crow. So it has to do, um, again, very some fascinating stuff having to do with the shining one as a way that Nakash can be interpreted. Um, that ca- has to do sort of again with some of these ideas of um, reptilian sort of stuff, uh, and because it says, you know, that the serpent was the most crafty uh, of all. All the beings that the the God created, uh, including man, it, it, I mean, it didn't um, include disinclude man from that, but it did say that man had been given sovereignty, uh, and so that it says that um, you know at the <clears throat> that he cursed them, and he said that um, you will you know your seed and her seed. Well, if we read that to say that it's um, the devil, well, then that can't really be that because. Um, we're also told that he was a fallen angel, and then um, angels, uh, again, generally uh, don't procreate except for this Genesis um, 6 thing where they came down and did this, the, the watchers. So uh, an interesting, this interesting circuitous route there. But uh, again, it says that um, the seed will be enmity with one another, that the, uh, the seed of the woman and the seed of the uh, serpent would be fighting against one another. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> Isn't there a isn't there a smash your head bite your heel reference around this? Yes, somewhere? there is. Yes, there is. Um, so there's um, uh, back to I can just go to it really. Um, I think it's Genesis four is um, where we find that. Uh, right, actually, at the end of three. <clears throat> so um, uh, so because you've done this, this is Yahweh God said to the serpent, um, because you've done this, you'll be cursed more than any domesticated animal and more than any wild animal. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life, and I will put hostility. An- another for- one bites the dust. <laughs> and I will put hostility or enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and between her offspring. Uh, and he will strike you on the head and you will strike him on the heel. Again, this sort of implies if you want to take it that way, that um, they they might be subterranean or um, beneath the heel of the man. There would be enmity uh, that way. word might. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, again, this is all. <laughs> they say it or they don't, man. They it's, say it or they don't. Speculation. I mean, it, I mean, it's so again. I guess you could say it's there, but it's not explicitly said. And that's a, that's a, with a lot of this stuff, right? There's some Im, there's some implicature that's never explicitly said. Uh, but on the ground, um, the ground shall be cursed in your account, and your pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Um, this is uh, this way your brow you shall eat bread. This is the man because he did this. Um, so so this is the again um, this original. Um, story here, right? And that's from, um, goes, starts at Genesis 1, goes through Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel, um, and then um, 
you get back to the second um, story. Uh, well, you should have pulled it through to Two Balkane because then we get entertainment, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah After right, Two Balkane, well. we get entertainers. <laughs> and we know how important yeah, that... Two Balkane is to the entertainers. Well, he invented musical instruments too, right? That was one of the things he invented, I believe. Uh, it was. Well, he was busy. The, uh, no, it was another cane. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember but the, the other line guy's name. thereof. But, yeah, he was from the line. Um, yes, that I'm was. Sure it's Tubal, isn't it? Isn't it Tubal that made? He made metal. He made musical instrument. There's a whole list of I things. Think it was one of his offspring. One of his kids really? that did that did the um, the musical instruments. I don't know if I can buy. I got to check. I was. Uh, look, I'm looking right. Was, yeah, I'm going to check right. too. I could have swore that was Tubal. Known for being the first blacksmith, he is stated as the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. Instruments of bronze and iron. So what's that? The first horns? Is that where that's coming from? He made the first trumpet? Well, that's, uh, I thought the trumpets were in heaven. Not before Tubal Cain. Let's see. I'm in the Let's right neighborhood. So uh, while you guys are looking that up, I'll, I'll go to the next uh, passage here. Psalm 19.1. That should pique Crow's interest. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. That one sounds familiar, doesn't it, Crow? Yeah, but read it in, uh, go, go to like the Geneva or the KJV and read it. Let's see, Psalm 19.1. I don't know which version this is. Maybe that's what... What does ESV mean? Does that tell me which version this uh, is supposed English, to be? Yeah, English standard version. Yeah, in other words... Goobert? You know, low red version. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Yeah, there we go. It's, it's Jubal Cain, not Tubal. J-U-B-A-L, Jubal that did uh, the father of all who played stringed instruments and wind instruments. So is that just a play on Tubal getting a J instead of a T or is that a new character on the stage? It's a new character. It's one of the offspring of Enoch. Um, so uh, Enoch was the father of those who... Well, I'm still saying he made instruments of brass and bronze, so I'm still saying. So Zilla. So then Zilla gave birth to Tubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools of bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Um, so uh, it does differentiate them. All right, so I think this is the version you're looking for. I wasn't for, there. Huh? I wasn't there, so I don't know. <laughs> May have been. Where's, yeah, I don't know. where's the version that calls the heavens the I found firmament? It. The heavens declare it? the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. But the what, King James version is yeah. that KJV nineteen one. Yeah, yeah nineteen uh, one. Psalm nineteen one. So there it is. There's the kind of authoritative we live in the Western world version of life coming out of the KJV. I wonder what the sixteen eleven says. Can you find it in the sixteen eleven? Yeah, let's see if we can. You might just get stuck with KJV. I'm not seeing a sixteen eleven in my list. Oh, here we go. Let's, does this one have it? Ah. But I do see Geneva, 1599. Oh, check this out. Here, let me share this with you guys. Ah. Tonight we have Bible study on the fly. <laughs> so here, even even the Geneva 
says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth the work of his hands. I love yes. that. The reason we're reading this, everybody, just so you know, is Werner von Braun, the NASA lackey and Walt Disney actor, um, assured us all that he made Saturn V rockets and that we left this world and left our Alembic sealed system and went to a place called space. But then when he died on his deathbed, he left Psalm 19.1, which is a 9-11 code, by the way. And that tells us that the glory of God can be seen in the firmament. The firmament. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so what was it, Werner? Did you make rockets that went to space, or did God make a firmament? And I guess I'll go with the one you did on your deathbed, because that's what you want people to remember. Well, let's go through the, the, the six passages all together here, because this is kind of interesting. Uh, let's go down here. Because this is the 1611 version I found. So, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Ta tabernacle's basically a tent, right, dude? Table, mm -hmm. isn't it? No, it's a tent. Pretty sure it's a tent. Yeah, it's a tent. It's a meeting, a tent of meeting. Uh, it's a spiritual tent. How about yes, that? A tent of meeting. That's almost a direct translation. I, I was under the impression it was something else, like a, like almost like an altar. Tabernacle? Well, this isn't Saturday morning cartoons, but I'll say it anyhow. Now you know. Okay, well, this is why I thought that. So definition one is a fixed or movable habitation, typically of like construction. Second one is a meeting place for worship used by Protestants or Mormons. Well, think about when this was supposedly written. We're talking about a tent here. A tent of meeting. Could be. Yes, and that's what it well, is. Well, it could also be that the, they were they were doing both. Uh, yes, it was, it was a, a place for... It's probably for, a yurt, but that doesn't sound very Hebrew. So. Actually, though... A yurt? What? what? The, no, the yurt thing, there is a guy, and I, I need to find his uh, name every time I look at try to keep I looking for yurts. it. I love yurts. So this guy, and I'll, I'll try to find it. So uh, let's see, what was this? Um, he's an engineer and also um, was studying Hebrew, and so he was studying the original tabernacle, right, which is the, the tent of meeting that was set out in the wilderness. And most uh, indications that give that as a big rectangle, but they were very um, stringent on what the, the materials that they could use. And he said, you couldn't do that with those materials. You'd have to have things that aren't listed, and that wouldn't work. And so he started putting it together, and what he comes up with is a yurt. Now, what's interesting to that is that it has always been uh, given as a description that um, the tabernacle was given as a representation of as above, so below, that it was the, um, rep representing both heaven and earth. And if you look at it in the terms of um, the, the snow globe version <laughs> of the world, uh, that becomes very interesting. And I'm, I'm trying to find this guy's information so I can drop it in the chat. It's very, very interesting um, what he came up with. He was just taking all the materials to put together what that, um, what that tent would look like, it was basically a six-story yurt. What a, it came up with a six-story year. Yeah, so they have a tent with floors. That's rich. That's uh, well, it wasn't floors, but it was six stories high, and um, so it was described that they were, um, you know, it was very impressive out in the wilderness. Which a, I a tent with a really high peak, in other words. Yeah, <laughs> and it would have a hole there, right above where the um, the uh, the Holy of Holies is sitting. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, so exactly. Binoculus. 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we're looking at, my friend. There it is. Um, oh, side see. note: Did any any of you guys look at the clip I sent earlier, the iPet Goat Three? Yeah, what's that about? I don't know. I just uh, had someone send that to me today. Thank you very I... much to who did that. Uh, it's pretty pretty messed up, though, isn't it? Well, what wasn't the first one supposed to be drawn from what had happened based on Pet Goat? Then the second one, a similar thing, because this looks like it's trying to be prophecy or something right well i don't know i i, I don't know i only watched it once because uh, then i had to go out for a bit but i i'd like to look at it and, and i gotta look up why these things are being made in the first place because it's a different as uh, what do you call it uh, computer animation house that, that made this one than the first one but they used a similar styling uh with the jesus figure and all that so I don't know. I got to find out more about it. But anyway, let me find a link for everybody so they know what the hell I'm talking about. This this is a really messed up thing. It's got that same creepy feeling to it, like like the iPad Goat Two does, though. Same kind of weird, messed up music. I thought the first animation was tied directly to the events of 9/11 well, and the fact that the president was reading Pet Goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, that, wrong? that that that's what the reference is to. Like iPad Goat is, or my Pet Goat, or whatever the original is called. That's they, the, that first animation is called iPet Goat 2, referring to the fact that Bush was reading the first one. So then there was another one, which had taken a little further, but this one just feels like it's trying to be prophecy. I mean, what else well, could it be? Well, the, the iPet Goat 2 was very prophetic as well. Was yes, it right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, big time. Let me see we, if I can find it. So wait a minute. It, it came it's out right if you look at it in an, if, it's it came right out if you, first. If you look at it in a Nostradamus kind of way, it's right. Yeah, but did it come out before the events it portrayed? Many of them, yes. Not all of them. Mm. Okay, so... I didn't know all that. I don't surf the internet to see what I know. Uh, and I posted in the in the uh, chat, uh, if you want it again, it's Andrew Hoy, H-O-Y, project314.org. Uh, he's the guy. And the reason it's 314 is because it basically it turned, uh, that's, you know, pi. And uh, that's the the shape of what he came up with is uh, basically a, a big yurt. So if you're interested in that, take a look. Uh, Andrew Hoy, project314.org. Okay, so the link I just put in, that is for the second one. And now I'm going to drop the link for the new one that I just sent to everybody today. Let me copy this. And again, I don't know anything about this stuff yet. I gotta find out, but it's it's super creepy. It's only a couple minutes long, too. Here's one for you: Revelation nine eleven. Yeah. And they have a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon. Abaddon. And in Greek, he's named Apollo. I mean Apollyon. We're gonna try Apollyon. to hide that from you folks. Or in Latin, Apollo. or in Latin, destroyer. That, yeah, is destroying. that is destroying. It's actually added on here for some reason in italics. Yeah, so exactly. they did an add-on. That's funny. Yes, that is. They're always uh, obscuring things. Why don't they just say Apollo in Greek? <laughs> I, I don't Apollyon. know. Apollyon. Yeah, because they got to lead the, the sheep to a different paddock. The wrong paddock. Oh, is this link not working? Copy link location... I wonder how many 9-11s there are. In the, has anyone ever done a count to see how many 9-11s are in the Bible? Let's see, Matthew 9-11. Matthew 9-11. And when the Pharisees saw that, they said to his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Or I guess it means, why do you eat with him and there's publicans and sinners around? Let me see if there's another 
Well, actually, if that was Matthew, let's see what Mark 9-11 is. Does it match? No. They're, they're, also, they're, they asked him saying, why say the scribes that Elijah must come first? So what's the 9-11 from Mark? Hmm, I wonder no, let's do John, because John's always the one that's not synoptic. In Psalm 9-11 is um, sing praises to the Lord, which dwells in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. His doings? <laughs> his doings. <clears throat> Luke, wasn't wasn't Luke supposed to be a doctor written by a doctor? Isn't that the story? He is. A, um, Luke is the physician, yes. John's my favorite. Um, the other three are synoptic. He is my favorite. Yeah, means my, to say seeing with one eye, I guess. Yeah, the, I like uh, John. He describes himself as the the, the disciple that Jesus loved, uh, and you can see that the way he wrote it um, seems indicative of that. He definitely had a. Um, Boy, this one's hardcore. And Luke, it's then Herod said, "John, have I beheaded?" So that's John the Baptist, I suppose. Who then is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. <laughs> Don't they put the head on a silver platter? You'll be seeing them soon enough. Mm -hmm. Certainly a platter. I don't know about a silver platter, but a charger, yes. Um, Proverbs 9-11. I, I thought that's where we got the, the old cliche served up on a silver platter was from John the Baptist. It's It doesn't explicitly say so. Again, that oh, may be like, somebody's tradition, but it doesn't explicitly say so. Um, Proverbs 9-11, For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. Here we go. Hebrews 9.11. Hebrews 9.11 is, but, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle or tent, not made with his hands, that is, not of this building. I guess that doesn't make sense out of context of what's before and after it. Boy, there's a few that don't make it to nine. Uh, Corinthians has a couple nines. Yeah, Second Corinthians has a nine. Second Talks Corinthians. about his benevolence. Micah. Oh, here's one. Hosea has a nine. Talks about remembering their iniquity. What's Gibeah? The days of Gibeah? Gibeah? What is that? What's Gibeah? Is that a place? I think it was somebody's name. First uh, Kings nine eleven, and they shall answer because they forsook the Lord their God, which brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods and have worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath the Lord brought them out upon this evil. Well, that's interesting. I went all the way back to Genesis, and Genesis nine eleven is the covenant about the flood. And my covenant will I establish with you that from henceforth all flesh shall not be rooted out by the waters of the flood. Neither shall there be a flood to destroy the earth anymore. That's kind of interesting. It is interesting. That that would fall in Genesis 9-11. If I'm not mistaken, this will relate to the rainbow, which comes to the sky. To Every time you see a rainbow, it's supposed to be God's covenant that he won't kill the world with a flood anymore. Or something like that. Yeah, the, um, yeah, yeah. This is his covenant that he would not, um, uh, he would not destroy the entire world with a flood again. That's the, that's the uh, rainbow. I wonder if he knew it was going to become the gay, lesbian, and all the other acronym flag. Well, 
Well, <laughs> if you if you see it the way I do, yes. <laughs> right, that he doesn't see it in a linear way. It's more of a tangential, Romans physical way. Did, did I tell you guys that I was back in these old alchemical texts and it claims that in the change of every single age, uh, androgyny um, will be there? Have you ever heard that before? You know the alchemical sign for androgyny where it's like a, a figure with a man and a head and both sets of genitals, um, a breast on one side, that's their symbol for androgyny or one of the symbols? Um, hmm. Apparently in the alchemical tradition, every time there's a changing of an age, that symbol gets put into use because they are claiming that in every age change, androgyny will be prevalent. I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, that was um, certainly one of the things when I started looking at the, you know, the <clears throat> transvestigation. Um, oh, and some some people were really into. You caught me! I'm really oh, a woman. No. Um, so, but that was a shrubbery. A shrubbery. <laughs> that was one of the uh, <clears throat> the knights who say neat. Yeah, don't be a knight that says me. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but yeah, <clears throat> in any case, uh, in looking at it, that was one of the m more interesting facets of it to me had less to do with um, gender even uh, than their view. That is the um, Luciferian take of it, uh, of it being an apotheosis um, and the uh, very old view. Uh, that like Janus, uh, it was originally a two-spirited being, uh, and it was this division of male and female, according to their tradition, uh, which separated them and uh, began um, having two genders. And then uh, by putting them back together, that that would somehow bring about an apotheosis. Uh, and so uh, the big props. Putting the back into Adam, is that the idea? Yeah. Uh, so big, they, they give big, big ups to the androgyne. Uh, so um, with that being the case, certainly I can see that um, – creating a, mm, uh, you know, a sacrifice, a child sacrifice, if you will, and starting very early at, um, to, to do a, a transition uh, rather than um, sacrifice the, the mortal life of your child. I could certainly see that being an easier choice to make uh, and serve the same purpose. So, um, yeah, that was one of the areas that I, I went, well, interesting, <laughs> right? I probably wouldn't have given it as much, uh, you know, credence as, uh, as I did once I came upon um, how they view it, right, the way they see it. So, for my part, man, I'm all about what the Christian mystics are laying down, like mm -hmm. A.S. Raleigh and those guys. Those dudes are so sweeping in their knowledge, and it doesn't matter where the knowing or the spiritual tradition came from. It could be from the furthest corner of the earth, and they know about it, um, and they incorporate it, and they respect it. They take it all seriously, but i got to take Blix out, so I'll be right back. Well, I'll save yeah, this um, then, the, the, uh, uh, the KJV, Romans 9-11. I'm sure Crow will love this. Yeah, the uh, the Essenes, um, which were some of the, I don't know, as differentiated from the early Christian Gnostics, they weren't really, um, I wouldn't say you would put them in the Christian category um, so much as they, they were... Um, they followed what they considered the way, and so their beliefs were very similar to, um, I, I would say, that of what Jesus taught, um, but without the all the catechism to go around it. <laughs> but they did uh, definitely have some um, some interesting views that that differed um, in some cases pretty dramatically uh, from the Jewish tradition uh, and. Um, 
again, seemingly fairly consistent with um, um, previous scripture, like uh, Book of Enoch, that sort of stuff. So um, I don't know. In the study that I do, more so even than Gnostics, um, uh, the, the writings of the Essenes are probably the closest that I see to um, the way I, that the way that I read it. But <laughs> again, that's the way that I read it. Are you waiting for Crow to come back to read that Romans nine eleven? Was that oh, what you were saying? Oh, I was going to say yeah. I'll wait till he gets back so that okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Can I'll talk about that. Um, I was just looking a little more of the these lovely cartoons here. I was trying to find one that's not watermarked, but um, I want to go through these because oh, who the hell is making this shit? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, oh, dear. <clears throat> All right. Where is that other version? I had another version that was not watermarked. What's interesting is the uh, the animation is different on this one. It's it's not it's not quite as good as the other one that's five years old. For whatever reason. And this is the iPad Goat Three. That the third one is not does not look as good as the second one. Not that it looks bad. But as far as, uh, like, the rendering, it just looks like the second one had a lot more... Uh, time spent on it. Yeah, yeah. time. To, you know how computer stuff is. The more you put in your texturing, the better it's going to look when it renders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, the, yeah, the rendering process. a little, little less... Uh, um, Textured. Yeah, yeah. Defined, I guess. I'm trying to think of the word that it would work. Some of the shading isn't quite as detailed. and uh, The detailing in general isn't quite there. I mean, yes, clearly the figures are, are Trump and, and Putin. Like, you can't miss them, but... Uh, on the other one, it just looks more, I don't know, just more better. <laughs> it's it's more apocryphal as opposed to less apocryphal. There you go. <laughs> right, this is more or less apocryphal. Right? <laughs> Let's talk about those a second then because I don't know that much about them. I know the general notion is that uh, at the Council of Nicaea, they decided what was going in the Bible and what wasn't, right? Right. They canonized particular books. Um but Why? Well, um, there's a lot of reasons for that, um, a lot of reasons given for that. Uh, I'm trying to remember which are the 14 books. There's Edris and uh, Maccabees, um, I think uh, Esther, Bell and the Dragon, Judas. I can't remember them all. <laughs> anyway, um, supposedly, insofar as I can recall, um, Jason, the, the reason they pulled some of them out is that they just said that, that there was some ideas in there or – um, uh, there were some traditions that um, was inconsistent with some of the rest of them, um, particularly, um, I think, Book of Thomas, uh, Gospel of Thomas, that sort of stuff. There was also um, the Gospel of um, Mary Magdalene, I think. Um, and they, um, uh, you know, they, they give problems with some of the uh, some of the traditions. Um, I, remember, again, I remember that differently, dude. So the word apocrypha is is well, I think apoc. What's the singular? Apocryphon would be single. Apocrypha is plural, which means many. So it's a few books. I think it was originally um, they were writings that were too high for the masses, and they could be misconstrued, which is kind of what you're saying. But the idea and why it wasn't canonized into the you know all the books of the bible was because it was reserved out for special christian initiates because they were secret teachings that's the way that i remember see, that see that's um that may be one narrative of it um this again that i understand 
Uh, apocrypha means basically um, erroneous or um, in error. They, they were considered not genuine. And so there was some argument over whether or not they were actually um, could be, you know, genuinely extant material um, ascribed to the original source. Uh, and most of them couldn't. There is even, you know, there's a uh, question still remaining on whether, uh, for example, Paul uh, wrote some of the some of the gospels that are or, or rather some of the letters that are ascribed to him. Uh, but in terms of um, the apocrypha being secret teachings that were um, kept away from um, anybody but the initiates, again, certainly not that I'm aware of. That, I mean, insofar again as the the Christian under the Christian tradition that I'm aware of, Crow, is that they they were considered um, kind of not genuine, or they had held some ideas that were considered to be not consistent with the rest of the um, with the rest of their narrative. That's that's. Again, my so if we take apart the word, and if I'm not mistaken, apocryphon is the singular. So when we say apocrypha, we're saying plural. So that includes the many. The many. So if we took the prefix apo, that means away. If we take the other one, which comes from Greek, the rest of that, krypha or kryptine, it would be to hide or conceal. Um, so originally, apparently, the word meant isn't that, that, it isn't was, that it writing? Was a, it was a text. Well. Be, uh, a no, way no, no. writing Cri writings is a way no kryptine would be k-r-y-p-t-e-i-n but i see where you're going there but originally the meaning of the word would have been these texts are too sacred for profane masses to get their hands on basically mm. in other words these are not for the hands of everyone so they're hidden away for those that are worthy or initiated or however you would put that's the original I meaning I could see how that story might get created, but I see nothing in them that would indicate that. That's the that. meaning of the word. <laughs> I drew that from the meaning of the frickin' word. Hmm. Um, okay, but... Um, Words have meaning. That's all I'm saying. You know, God accepted. I'm just saying that's the meaning of the word derives out that way. Let, let, me, let me look more closely at the Greek because I... Um, as I'm reading it, it looks to say it's a it's a separate or a way writing. I it's just a, looked it. I just looked it up. So apocryphal comes from the original Greek, which I can't pronounce because it's written in Greek. Was first applied to writings which were kept secret. So there it is again. Well, I get that, but I'm not. Again, I'm I'm not gonna, gonna just go straight for Wikipedia though. I'm gonna take I'm take on, a. I'm not in Wikipedia, and by the way, that's the meaning of the word. You can look it up in five places. Okay, let's I will. Do I, let's do I will. the etymology. Are we having fun? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it, I'm just want to look at it more closely, because um, certainly, again, that that's not a that's not a story that I'm familiar with. But uh, again, okay. Okay, I, I can see here, I can see how that. Yeah. Here's the here's the etymology. Okay, uh, so it claims that it's come through Greek into Latin to end up being apocrypha as we say it. It comes originally from the Greek apokrupoutine, or the word I was saying earlier, late Middle English. And so what it basically means is an ecclesiastical Latin, Latin apocrypha or scripta is hidden writings. The hide Greek, away. Yeah, the Greek original meaning would be to hide away. So I don't know how we ditch too far from what the word actually means. Just saying. Well, that is what... That's that just me, man. Means. But I have found extra cocaine in my lifetime. Mercy. That is. It's no longer left over. So, I waited for this for you. We, we have a Romans 9-11. 
For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. How do you like them apples? It's kind of interesting, someone to do a study of all the verses that fit, you know, originally uh, in one of the older versions, um, to look at all the 9-11 numbered scriptures that scripture to 9-11, um, or to go back like what uh, Von Braun did. So he's using 19-1, which is an encode of 9-11. Just figure out what they all are, see if there's, you know, who'd be good for that? Baldini'd be good for that. You know, he would. He's good at that sort of he thing. He would be very good at that. And uh, <clears throat> according to um, according to Oxford, um, their version Oxford. of it, um, Crow, is that they um, uh, so they have the meaning to from uh, a. I'll give you the link here. Of what apocrypha? Is that where? Yeah, we're at? yeah, apocrypha um, as being um, the hidden, being sort of like hard to understand. And they're going with, and this is the, this is kind of again the way that I had understood it is that they had put them, uh, they had put them aside as being uh, of doubtful uh, authorship or authenticity, and that's the last um, paragraph. I would say um, based on everything we just looked up, that sounds like a cover story for "Don't Look Here." Um, probably, you special, you special <laughs> people being initiated will put it in your hand. Probably, I don't, I don't, I don't dismiss that at all. Right. I'm you just know, saying this is the story one, that I one, know. One thing about the Bible is it is, and, and this is problematic because as everyone here knows, depending on the version you get depends on what translation or word you might get. So in my view, as always, older is better. But if you can't go old, just go King James. If you can't go old, just go Geneva because it's old on the face of it. My point being is words have meaning and you get to a word like Maseroth and most people are reading the Bible and they think, oh, Maseroth, that's a biblical fancy sounding word. Oh, I wonder what it means. And they keep reading. No, dude, that means Zodiac. So if they would stop and look up the word, get the etymology and start to get an idea. Wait a minute. This is about stars. Wait a minute. This is about 12 particular sets of stars. Then they start to know some things. And this has been... Our yeah. lazy bone has made us so hurtable because the man in black sat up there and he read Maseroth and nobody raised their hand, yeah, basically. And, and often, too, mm. right, There, um, there's a lot of stuff that I've discovered um, that is uh, idiomatic, right? And it has uh, very specifically to do with uh, a saying that they would have at the time um, that, that we would have no comprehension of at all. There's a couple of things that um, in the New Testament that Paul said specifically that would uh, been a phrase that would been um, somebody you know would have said. And I found one that um, Jesus said specifically too. And during the Last Supper, for example, when he said, um, uh, you know, take drink this, drink all of it. Right. Basically, what he said there was a uh, an idiom that means bottoms up. Right, come pie. <laughs> right, he's he's not just saying drink all. He's just like bottoms up. Right, so it's a uh, a saying. Right, it would be an idiom, uh, and so we miss a lot of the stuff. Um, I've found that's, when I go. That's a key point. Have you read the Lamsa Bible? Anyone who's interested in Western religious tradition should read the Lamsa Bible. Here's the claim: the Lamsa Bible is claimed to have been written by a man who lived in a village that spoke Aramaic, no different than the supposed time of the writing of the Bible all the way up to World War II. And he used his knowledge of the traditions of that village, which he claimed their houses were still set up in the same way in the small village and everything, all the way up 
to near World War II, and he goes through and says things like the scripture that talks about it's easier for uh, a, a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to heaven. He says, that doesn't mean what you've been told at all. It's an idiom. It's like me now saying bats in the belfry to someone back then. They'd be thinking, well, what the hell's a belfry and why are there bats in it? Where everyone here listening knows I just called someone crazy. That's an idiom, you see. And so in exactly. the, it's just... the Bible, he's retranslated all the supposed Aramaic parts and identified idioms and other. It's All I'm saying is if you're going to study this and you want to know some things, why wouldn't you go for a good broad swath so that you can at least make educated decisions? That's it's impo- like not just important. It's critical, right? Because, again, you're going you're gonna to run up on – you're going to run up on stuff that says like, oh, my dogs are barking. And you're like, why, why, what has it, has it to do with those dogs? <laughs> and they're making sound. No, my feet hurt. Right. And, <laughs> it's like, and if you don't research it, the man in black will say, sit down, my dog, I'm speaking. Exactly. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can um, either be herded around like a sheep or you can apply yourself like a human being and test what you're being told for authenticity. Right. I this mean, is, yeah, this is from my perspective, right? Right. Why it's so important um, uh, to why truth has its own freak, ring of frequency to it, right? Its own vibration, uh, and why it's so important to uh, you know connect with the the creator. Because if you uh, if you take any writing from anybody, any time, <laughs> right, and try to make a religion out of that, it's always subject to interpretation. And you're and you're always going to get people that believe whatever they want, <laughs> right? They're going to turn it to to make. I mean, isn't the Bible a great example of that? That's it's pretty close. No matter how many, um, uh, how many, uh, in, you know, translations we have. What there's some eighty some uh, English translations on Bible.com, uh, right? That have been done over the past. Uh, certainly, you know what they tell us a thousand years or so, uh, 1200 years ish, something like that. And they're pretty close. They're not identical, but they're pretty close. Um, if that can be, uh, tortured into, uh, saying, <laughs> you know what, we've got more than a thousand different denominations. <laughs> right? is that and all? Half of it is used by one religion, right. That doesn't recognize the other half. So, you know, you got, uh, <laughs> you got the, the, uh, Arabs or the, rather the, um, uh, um, you, you got Islamists who don't recognize Jews. You got Jews who don't recognize Christians. You got Catholics who don't recognize Protestants, and you got you got Mormons who don't recognize each other at Hooters. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you, that wouldn't run right over your head. But no. Um, <laughs> but basically, oh, they, they 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 all work from the same book, and yet they all are willing to kill each other, right, over what they believe. And what I'm getting to, right, is that uh, if you're going to make that into a religion, any writing, you're going to sit down and turn that into a religion, right? Then uh, people are going to make that into interpret to whatever they want it to say, right? And that. Um, <laughs> It doesn't matter. I mean, there's an enormous amount of wisdom in there, and I pull it out. I mean, I do a week, a weekly stream every Sunday morning, right, just reading from it as a book of wisdom. Uh, So there's plenty of it in there. Uh, But when you, again, take it as a religion, Uh, you're going to bump into some trouble. I just posted a link, but I just realized it's only the New Testament. I'm pretty sure Lompsa did the Old Testament, too. Um, I read it, I don't know, end of the 90s, maybe 98, 96, 98. Um, I read it, so I'm reasonably sure there. if you search around, you could find that Lamsa did the Old Testament, too. I think a lot of people had problems with it because they found that things that were being pushed forward as prophecy, 
he said, you misunderstood because I speak the language. And so that caused a lot of infighting because people want to believe what they want to believe, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Wouldn't you well, really some of the biggest some of the biggest of infighting that goes on is within the Christian community. Man, you get amongst the group for those people talking about. The, what the book of revelation means <laughs> oh boy you get you can be entertained for hours <laughs> so so let's do that revelation 12 117 oh, go read meditations on the tarot but go ahead jason and a great sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. You know who would be useful um, taking things like that or one version of taking that apart is Dylan that we had on. His books are Spirit World. You look up um, and they're on Amazon and other places. Um, but he does a fantastic job of winnowing out sky clock references and encoded references from places like Revelation based on the old natural science ideas, um, which almost anyone in initiated positions will tell you this is one of the levels of meaning there. Um, by the way, a lot of this stuff has a lot of, like, I don't know, is there more meaning than we'll ever know because we're not initiated? Probably, if I had to guess now. Um, but if you go look at his book, Spirit World, what was the other one called, Jason? What was his name? His name was Dylan Sicaccio. Yeah, yeah. Dylan... Uh, he's got three in the in the Spirit World series. Yes. Um, Dylan Sicaccio, um, there's his thing. And if you want to learn how to use new tools for word splitting and taking apart original meaning of words and getting to the encoded usage and meanings of words, those are works that I think everyone should read. Um, and by the way, he may well have a different spiritual point of view based on his work, but it doesn't matter, man. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. His work on languages right. par excellence. Oh, the, his capability for symbolism, comparison, and contrasting is, is uh, quite... Quite good. I think, Quite good. I think he it sounds to me like he may speak three or four languages, Greek being among them. Uh, he sure handled Italian. Hebrew deftly while we were on there. He absolutely speaks Italian. Yep. Um, I think Portuguese, maybe. I don't know. He's quite a bright young man. Oh, yeah. I stay in touch with him. I, I'm quite fond of him. You don't find cool people like that every day reaching out to you? No, we had him on twice. Well, what happened was is someone sent me his book, and I read it. And then I had you reach out to him, and we've had him on twice. So I'll probably have him back again. It's just hard, because when you're going to talk about the Bible and Christianity, it's not... I know how to thread the needle. A lot of people aren't interested in threading the needle, because they think what they think. 
And I think that's a mistake because it sows division. And I think the last thing we need in this world right now is division. So why can't we talk about a thing for the sake of coming to conclusions that are worthwhile instead of fighting about it? Well, I agree. Well, people get very hung up on, on what their, their particular accepted dogma is, which could be very different than the guy sitting next to him, unfortunately. Well, that's the whole thing about dogma. That's just like belief. It's a choice. There's no there's no work put in to try to prove it out as being worthy of being accepted. And that's the problem with our world right now. If so many of these things, like look at this stupid mask thing going on. How many people have actually sat down to consider how ridiculous this is? Apparently not enough yet. And this is where we are in the age of knowing, which is where I feel we are pulling into right now. We're not going to be that way anymore. We're going to look at things. We're going to take things. We're going to know things. We're coming from an age of belief where the man in black could stand up there by the altar, hint, 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 and tell you any damn thing he wanted to. And by the way, it would be any damn thing he wanted to. You go to this church, you know, and this style of Christianity will tell you one thing. Go over to this other place, I'll tell you another. Well, what's going on here? What I know to be true is if you tell me one thing and you tell me another and you tell me another and you tell me another and you're all holding the same book, you're all wrong. That's the logical point of view. Um, but that's we got to get through these things. And this is where we've come to where all these religions making all these claims, even in the same Christian faith, you have five different churches claiming this stuff means something different from each man in black. Uh, that's unacceptable. And why that's would we just... listen? Why would we listen to these men who don't know any better themselves? Because some man in black taught them what to do. And, and that's uh, that's exactly why uh, I encourage people not to listen to uh, any man, right? Uh, if you want to know the truth, go directly to your creator. Ask your creator um, what this all looks like, and uh, how, how much of it is valuable, and uh, what uh, what should we accept? Where what should we eat the meat, and where are the bones? Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with that. Uh, if you if you trust that the, well, the that's, creator, that's the goal of every spiritual tradition. If you boil it down, or anyone yeah. worth the salt. What I noticed is by the time I was at the end of my thirties, I realized having been raised Christian, Lutheran mostly. Of course, when you get into the Marine Corps, if you're not Catholic, you're like a redheaded stepchild. So there was a lot of Catholicism going on while I was in the Marine Corps. No, I did not know uh, that. Um, yeah, they're big on Catholic in the Marine Corps. Um, but they offer, you could go do your Protestant stuff and Jewish stuff. They had them all there mostly, or the ones that were big enough to have enough people. Um, but what I noticed is every week we went into a room to hear the same damn story told over and over and some clever witticism told about it. And in no way, shape or form did I feel like I had gotten an inch closer to the divine nature of what's supposed to be covered. Never. And that's where it started for me. As what are we doing here? We're going to freaking tell the story of the Ark again today? Why? I because can, that's, that's why religion does it. The same as everything else. It leads well, you further not, and further away. That's okay. So mm. let's be honest then. If that's what religious do, religion does, then religion is not interested in spiritual development. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, come on now. <laughs> They're a corporation. Absolutely. Now, if you want to tell me the story of the Ark again and try to get into the deeper meaning— then maybe I got some time for you. But by the time the 50th time I'm going to hear this damn story told, it's like, dude, I can I can recite what you're about to read from frickin memory at this point. Damn near. Well, sure. And I mean, but here's to me, the problem is that the, the guy standing up there, he's he's going to tell you what that means. 
right? It's like, to me, the whole thing is an invitation uh, to, to talk to the creator and go, hey, what, what does this mean? <laughs> right? What, 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 what do I do with this? Uh, and uh, I find an enormous amount of value in that. And, uh, Why does and, it even matter what a bunch of dead dudes did so many millennia ago according to their timeline, you know? If you really want to look at it, um, I'm just saying. For, for me, it's helpful, right? Uh, I, I find value in it, but it's not um, up to me to find the value for other people. <laughs> the, the value is there, but is the value there 56 Sundays from now when you've heard the same story about the dead dudes for the hundredth time? Is you know, it still for, valuable? In some ways. I mean, uh, I will say that w when I read um, the Bible in particular, but often uh, a, a variety of different things, but particularly uh, some passages for sure in the Bible, um, I can read them a dozen times and um, see it a different way every time. So there is some new life to it, sure, every time. Uh, if someone, again, is telling me that they're going to tell me what to make of it, I I'm going to have not very much trust in that <laughs> because I've learned not to trust people. Right. Uh, I've learned that people have their own reasons for doing things and um, they lie. Right. People people lie, whether that's um, whether that's, that's in religion that. they, or, they, or science. They tell or, you what they were taught and they don't know any better. They think that's almost doing, worse. Yeah, yeah. it's worse because they think they're doing something of value when they're just given the party line. Same this as education. Right? Yeah. Same as a Ph.D. Um, he thinks he's he thinks he's doing a good thing. Right. He thinks he's making a difference because he's uh, t teaching the young people in the world about physics. And he's teaching about astrophysics. Right. And it's mind blowing stuff. And we learned about the universe. Right. And um, so he thinks he's actually changing the world and doing good and, and not realizing the harm that's being done. I'm, I'm sure that, again, yeah, many, that's, many people are that's, like that. that's a thing that'll probably work out. Right. All that has to hit the wall. Um, I think that science hits a wall at some point because they act like they're going to infinity and beyond, but they're not. They can't go any further because they believe in things that aren't true. They believe in gravity. They believe in all these things that are provably not true. And so they're going to hit a wall. So that will be, you know, it seems chaos. like it, but it seems like it. But then again, look at the information that's out there on the Crononi, right? Is like the information is so preposterous at this point. It's so ridiculous and so nonsensical, prima facie, right, right on the surface of it. And yet there, there's an enormous amount of people that are still buying it for what they say. So, um, I mean, certainly we can well, say. Schools are going away too, though, aren't they, Paul Dean? What are five five percent of people going to ever get into an Ivy League or less? Two percent. The rest are going to be going to New Hampshire online. Um, so the power and reach of that kind of control of thinking uh, that's going to diminish with the diminishing of schools in the information age. I think the real concern here is what happens to the internet uh, over the long haul. Um, but the truth is, is even with the internet. You know, people will, will become disenchanted with Google and Wikipedia, <laughs> and they'll learn to go deeper. But I think so. I mean, I, I think some always will. I think there will be a certain amount of people who always If you're going to have flying do. cars, dude, you're not going to make it with the science <laughs> we have now. Well, um, we may we may not um, get ever get those flying cars that they promised us, but, but one really thing that seems one. certain... One thing that seems certain is that um, the Internet is uh, is now and always has been uh, con entirely within the control uh, of those who we would say are our enemy. Right. Um, we now we certainly get to use it to some degree. It's a library that they've set up uh, that we get to make use of to some degree with lots of nonsense in it. But they get to, it's a two way library. Right. They get to see everything about us as well. Um, so, I mean, uh, I, I don't know that there's. Um, you know, much, um, <laughs> much, maybe, 
Maybe there's a lot of butlers in the room, and we'll have our jihad. Maybe so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the possible. spice. Um. <laughs> Speaking of that, Crow. Yes. We we recorded a very interesting show with Wayne McCroy. Uh, that was yesterday, right, Crow? Yeah, I think it was. We've been doing so many lately, I forget. I can't. I can't even keep it straight. But uh, that's one of the ones coming up. That uh, we we broke down Star Wars and and all the interesting symbolism, predominantly in the originals. But man, that spice thing—that's a that's a thing, right, Frank Herbert? Oh, it's almost you know of all the books I've ever read, that one is the most astonishing by far because I think it's what the fifties. It's published in the fifties, I believe. The yes. things he came up with—how could he possibly have known? Um, and there are so many of those instances where you have to start to suspect, come on, man, is someone peeking at a playbook or what's going on here? Um, uh, even just the idea of water, um, but the whole Butlerian Jihad, and that is an offhand thing. They don't ever explain it all the way out. They just say, yep, there was this war over computers and the people who loved computers lost. And by the way, if you got a computer, we'll kill you. <laughs> That's what they tell you about the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah. Yeah, By the you, way, the, when you the witches together. have them. You know, all the all the rulers still have computers, but all the people got rid of them. When you put together, um, you know, folks like him and Heinlein, and you know, uh, even um, uh, Lewis, and um, uh, you know, uh, we, we got to throw in, of course, Huxley and um, well, we Orwell. Huxley. Right. So so we, we throw all these guys in there. Right. When you see the outcome of what they put together, I, I can't help but come come to the conclusion that they're all been tasked. Uh, they've been given the task of writing a script uh, of what it would look like. Right. Uh, and that these are not um, amazing shots in the dark. Right. <laughs> these are not prescient guys. Uh, the, these are uh, guys who are tasked with writing the script uh, such that it can be um, given in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those guys definitely are. We've kind of demonstrated Absolutely. they're in and around the circles of royalty. But and actually, if you want to be honest about it, anyone in sci-fi, I guess, could be thrown in exactly the way you're that's saying. That's what I'm saying. I think that's what I'm saying is I think that when you Why put these exists. guys together, right? And I mean, going all the way back to Jules Verne, right? You, you how can you clearly Verne? Yeah. How can you not right? Take a look at what he uh, proposed and then see it supposedly <clears throat> come to fruition. Right, and, um, and where's the first time that happens? The Lumiere brothers. One of the first things filmed right? is a bullet getting shot into the eye of the moon. Moon, right? <laughs> and, and and look at the scientists. What are they wearing? What are their outfits? <laughs> Wizards' <hat>. robes. Yeah, <laughs> they're wearing wizard outfits. I right? They were Come wearing on. Jedi robes. Yeah, the they're, they're wizards. <laughs> No, Wizard. that's right. Before they leave, the guys that go are wearing top hats, but he's right. The cabal that sends them are all wizards. They're wizards. Yeah, they are. And then um, the, the Smashing Pumpkins redo that whole idea. Yeah. It's, uh, so, uh, again, I go back, and I, I, to me, I, my, my take on it is that uh, almost entirely the, the uh, genre of sci-fi uh, has been used as a, a massive Overton window experiment, if you will, uh, from Star Trek to Star Wars. We, we showed it to some degree, Baldini, because we did the uh, amazing stories and we showed how that started and how another British plant was and how every writer, and by the way, um, the, the Dune writer dude, 
um, he was one of the people. This one guy was like the mentor to almost every great American sci-fi writer you ever saw. But he was responsible for the amazing. It was an amazing stories, Jason. You know that first sci-fi magazine? Uh, that was. But that was shown, was and he was a Tavistock M- MI5 or MI6, whatever it is, operative. The dude who controlled all that. So you ain't you ain't far well, off. Yeah, yeah, we, and not to not to put too fine a point on it, right? When you get um, <laughs> put sci-fi together with uh, occult and uh, rockets, where do where do you land up? In the ocean? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking of a little maybe. L. Ron Hubbard and some scientism and some Jack uh, Parsons, um, yeah. right? Yeah. It, th- those guys, right? So uh, you, you've got uh, a sci-fi writer going one-to-one, right, with uh, a religion. And then ripped <laughs> right. them off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is even funnier. Yeah. So, uh, so let's not forget. Let's not forget that one-to-one relationship there. Uh, so, think you know, I, I think, too, now that, I think that, about that it. whole Scientology thing. Have you guys noticed over the last like ten years how bad Hollywood's tried to rip Scientology apart? And it occurred to me not too long ago. I know why they're doing it because Scientologies aren't taking a shot and they don't watch TV. <laughs> and those are the two biggest sins you could commit in the eyes of the mainstream. So, in my view, that's why Scientology is being ripped apart. They still got some dedicated to Hollywood uh, celebrities, though, who are absolutely hooked on that stuff. You, you don't see a lot of that these days, though, do you? I haven't seen any Tom. Cruise well, you don't see a lot of celebrities. Period. Gender. You know, it's interesting. You used to. Hollywood is imploding. They they incited so much of the crap that that has gone on the past year. People figured it out and rejected a lot of their nonsense. Well, yes, they, they people have rejected it, but they're acting as though um, they're oblivious to it, that they continue to do it. Um, again, you guys have covered this, and many of us have seen it, uh, that when it comes to, for example, um, film, right, uh, with the, whether it's television, f- film, the sci-fi genres, um, the Marvel Comics universe, that sort of stuff, again, they, they don't give a shit about making money. Uh, no. they're, they're sending a, a message. And, and certainly you could take apart, I mean, there's been numerous people t- have taken apart the recent um, <laughs> the, the recent heinous fuckery most foul uh, with Doctor Who and what they've uh, done there in terms of being wokeity woke woke <laughs> and, and how badly it's imploded and they don't give a shit right they're just gonna yeah. keep they're just gonna keep doing it right they, like, nope, they don't let's make another care. season of this nope let's make exactly. another season of this <laughs> no I, I don't get it all about that you know I gotta wonder I, I uh, brought this up in our Star Wars episode the uh, they lost Disney I'm referring to lost so much over that last Jedi debacle and I gotta wonder did they did they actually do enough damage that they had to turn around and bring Luke Skywalker back like for real so that they can try and get people to come back so they can continue their brainwashing but it also had the benefit of a zillion people signing up for Disney Plus so it's kind of again they're, they're after the young people that don't even remember very well they don't remember the originals like we do or ha- or, or as invested well it wouldn't have influenced them obviously the I mean when we saw this stuff originally it was like holy shit <laughs> I think you know what if you're talking about the, um, the you know, he shows up in the little um, cameo appearance yeah the Mandalorian um, I, I don't know it, it's sort of like um, a bit of hopium right to to a it is card, but I follow this right? crap and they they really 
like it's a, like the yeah, amount like of people they, they, that that got the attention of, like a lot of the fans. Was, yeah, exactly. They got, I can't so they believe got it, so many, but they did. Yeah, they got so many people that, that hated it, right, because of they just destroyed this franchise. And then they finally, like, we'll give you just a little bit of hopium, right, give you the thing that you really used to love, right? Here's a little bit of that. So one more trust the plan. <laughs> <You know what I'm laughs> it's just one one more little bit of trust the plan. And in the end, it's all going to end up in the same dumpster fire. One, one movie Probably. at a time. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, the yeah. thing I was wondering is, is there a possibility that that's like, well, they can't lose too much money. They can lose money. Yeah, they can print all they want. It's, it's not about yeah, money. But Disney itself can't. It doesn't matter. It matter, Do- doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Money, the, all these, court, you saw the CEO dance that happened at the end of 2019, where they shuffled out all the nearly 300 or over 300 CEOs into the corporations that mattered. At no point was funding going to be the linchpin that broke yeah. their little plan. Yeah. They were funded in, from now until kingdom come. If um, money... And why? Because it's fiat. They just print more. Or they <laughs> stack a, a Wall Street trade in a favor. Or someone wins a lottery magically in the state of California for a billion dollars. If it's money actually in... mattered, uh, yeah. Kathleen Kennedy would still be hanging from a tree somewhere. Well, that one blows my mind, yeah. Like, how woke do you have to be? It's like, oh, we can't fire a woman, even though she's the worst executive that ever existed on the face of the ever. earth. Ever. It just continues to destroy <laughs> it's, it's just everything. Like, how right? much? And then every time she opens her mouth, she makes it worse. <laughs> well, again, but I mean, think about this, you know, uh, mentioning this to somebody about politics the other day. Look at it. It's the, it's the most god-awful. Um, it, it's like, again, it's like wrestling. Shit show, right? I believe, it, is the word you're looking for. Yeah. It's there it, to destroy itself. It, but yes, but they, it's a they're gruesome caricatures of it, right? It's the most vile, gruesome, uh, bullshit, nonsense character it could ever po- – I mean, it, it's a caricature of itself. Well, um, you're not going to get a man in a white tuxedo to go clean the sewer, are you? N- no, but you, <laughs> you know, uh, but they're all going to sit there and shit. I mean, uh, it, if you don't have to sit and shit, you wouldn't. You wouldn't, I don't think. I mean, it just seems to me again. It's just it, it's WWE wrestling in a different outfit. That's of it. Of course it is. It's all it's all a boondoggle. They're going for freaking Taco Bell, exactly. The corporation the, that rules so, the world, and so, so this they're, is my, they're letting these asshats destroy it. So this is what I go back to the to the entertainment world, right? It is it the same as the, as the political stage? It is a stage. It doesn't really matter. Um, the, the, the politics again. If politics really mattered, Nancy Pelosi would be hanging from a tree as well as Newt Gingrich and all these other people, right? They would have already long worked itself out. Well, um, include the, the man in is, orange and the man that preceded him. Exactly. I mean, at least have the the wherewithal to show that it's holistically bullshit. Exactly. Exactly. These things would um, it would have worked itself out, and, and it didn't, right? Because he said, "Oh, if I get president, right, you're going to jail." Well, that didn't happen, right? You just sat there, <laughs> sat around, and trusted the plan, didn't you? Right. So, so because oh, it's going to be great, just wait, buy all this popcorn. Right? I guess you bought the toilet paper first. Come on, for fuck's sake, man! Right. Just use your use your head. I love popcorn. Uh, right. It's just like, man, these people are never going to help you. Right? The people oh, at the no. top are no, never going to no, fucking no. come save you. No. Right. So, um, so uh, every time they tell you this bullshit. Don't believe it. They're not coming to fucking save you. They're not coming to fix anything. Uh, ain't, ain't nobody coming They're for that. They're doing the opposite. And by the way, they have classified you as an enemy combatant. That's so right. That's all you, you really need to know. And openly now calling you a, uh, a domestic terroristic threat. 
There you right? go. I mean, I've been, uh, I, I make few prognostications, but that's one I have been saying for about three years is that they've been pushing um, to um, make that false equivalency uh, between the truth community and um, domestic terrorism, and they've effectively done it. Uh, openly and, and now. Trump's little stupid minions that just got staged up have facilitated a basic lockdown of everywhere that's a power center. So yeah, all of these got... capitals will be cordoned off and armed to the gills. So if there ever came a time in the future when actual real people, not the fake people you just saw on the news, got pissed off and wanted to change things, it just got a lot more difficult. That's what just happened. All these people who can't see the obvious outcome of these things that are done and you, I'll tell you another thing I can't think of a city where more police agencies exist than DC and they're acting like they didn't have enough law enforcement oh, to that's deal with that me, small gathering that it's was ridiculous there's and no not way only that if you want to take it out logically then that means the sitting president just was involved in sedition or something close if I'm not mistaken that's a shooting or a hanging offense on the book still well, either way, they are trying to yeah, go after him for, for, for. And then, and I mean, just a yeah, uh, he, slap on the wrist. It's no, no. They're, 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 they're they threatening do. impeachment for the, the you know the week he's got left. Yeah, and here and the, I mean to put a you know big uh, ice cream cone cap on the preposterous nature of it, right? You got the people, the self-proclaimed um, patriots, are the ones crying the loudest for martial law. Yeah, yeah that's the dimwits. I mean, the dimwits who showed up at the Capitol. And by the way, I'm almost convinced that what they did was merge the one side that was supposed to be there for the inauguration type deal, or the supposedly legitimate crowd, and then the other protests. I think they merged those two crowds. To be honest with you, um, it's a put up. Well, yeah. And it's a put-up to consider that in a place like that, they didn't have more than enough law enforcement to deal with a crowd many times that size. Because guess what happens in D.C.? There are often many crowds many times that size. And people are still caught up in this nonsense to impeach. or It, it doesn't matter. You're being shown a play for an outcome that movie. they've already got. <laughs> yeah, the outcome is we're going to put howitzers at every capital we really want to protect. So if you want to try to get close to it now, it's going to be a problem. That's basically what's just happened. Yeah, it's uh, it's preposterous. That's for sure. Um, well, I mentioned on I can't remember which one it was, but on one of the streams that I did this last week, uh, it just occurred to me. Uh, I was like, you know how um, RV Russian vids always says truth in the movies, lies in the news, and I went, you know, I bet when they break out the um, <laughs> the fake alien invasion, you want to know how that's going to go down? <laughs> Real similar like to a Mars Zeppelin? attacks. Mar Mars attacks. Right. It's going to be you like, know, I just where where were they just echoing? They were just talking on some major thing about Israel. Was. Event. Yeah. No, about the, the about the uh, the Orwell Mars attacks radio show. Yeah. So so I was doing. Uh, yeah. Not War of the Worlds, but, you know, Mars attacks the movie. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson. Right. 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 And uh, but yeah, it's going to be that that silly um, thing where it's like, oh, they're our friends, and uh, they're, they're, you're going to be our friends, right? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. how it's going to roll out. So have, if you want uh, weekend entertainment, you can uh, take a look at Mars Attacks. I think you'll be uh, more than entertained. <laughs> uh, I'm just kind of curious, what what theory of aliens do you think they'll go with? Uh, for, you know, from my perspective, it's going to be um, something like that, that they're going to be uh, the helpful, friendly ones. It's going to be like V. Uh, yeah, TV but are show. we going to get the end of like Star Trek First Contact where the Vulcans come down and be like, we're here to help you? Or is it going to be more like, 
Twilight Zone, we're here to serve human beings. It's a cookbook! <laughs> How to serve man. It's a cookbook! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to serve man. Would you like some human stew? Yeah. Uh, no, I think um, I, I think something like uh, Childhood's End um, uh, V, that narrative. What about all the monoliths? Mm. <laughs> it makes you wonder what's going to be in those shots if we're all going to be buying into this. <laughs> I'm, I'm more into polyliths. Acid. Really. Po- polyliths than monoliths. Better than polyticks. They'll suck you dry. Oh, That's true. snap. That's they true. will. Just like SJWs. Mm. Snaps. So we're winding down here, gentlemen. Uh, anything we want to talk about here to uh, throw out for the final hurrah? Yeah, Ooh, I got Logan poetry. Here. I gotta get the video it's done. It's the third worst in the galaxy. Vogon Poetry Slam coming up. Um, <laughs> live on my channel. <laughs> I've got my poetry appreciation chair ready. Ooh, nice. Outstanding. All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll close out because I'm going to get going on the video here, Jason. Uh, we're releasing 287 with Athen Comente uh, about his accurate prediction of when the vaccines would first be delivered. He hit it right on the money right on the day, December 14. Um, and we talk about some possibilities of the coming year, early year, 2020. I think we focus mostly up to spring, but I think we get a roundup to most of the year, don't we, Jason? I don't recall. We, we do, but the whole last chunk of it, we were talking about how there doesn't seem to be a change of decades anymore, which was a very interesting thing that we all kind of noticed. Right. Since the year 2000, uh, the world has not been the same to me as it was my entire life, where when you went from 79 to 80, you knew it. There was absolutely a visible decade change, and it was more than just rewriting the date. Um, my entire life, which includes from the 60s forward, um, for some reason, the decades, we didn't really notice when we went from 2010 to 2011 in the same way that most people listening to this right now don't realize that 21 is first first uh, year of a new decade. doesn't feel like it. Clothes aren't any different. Movies aren't different. Cars aren't different. <clears throat> it's bizarre, to say the least. But anyhow, I'd like to wish you all a good night. Jason, I'm going to punch and get going on the video. Baldini, ciao, man. All right. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Egg foo young. <laughs> Low main for me. Mm. All right. Well, my chatty friend. Uh, Some teen wong. <laughs> uh, all right. So. I would like to break down these uh, these little cartoons at some point. I don't, I, you should have the link now, right? Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't see it. But I, I put I, them in the uh, in the chat for everybody that they want to check them out. One person said they had looked at it and it was like a satanic acid trip or something like that. And I was like, well, don't do acid and watch this shit. That's for sure. They're pretty messed up. But, yep. All right. So... Uh, Wayne should be back next week, and we will do the actual document we were going to do, which is called, just to give everybody a heads up, let me find the document. Do, 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 the document is called. Where is Wayne McCroy? The Triangle of Enhancement Medicine, Disabled People and the Concept of Health, A New Challenge. It's very wordy, but it's it gets into medicine and transhumanism, which is why, of course, Wayne wanted to break it down. But when we're talking about transhumanism, even though we all know what we're talking about, uh, that's that's really Wayne's superpower. So we thought his forte, uh, yeah, absolutely. Thought we'd wait for that one until next week, and we'll break that down for everybody. But I guess that'll do. We can sign off there. Thanks everybody for being here, Baldini. What you got going on? Anything fun, interesting, exciting? 
Just, you know, doing the do uh, back this weekend, of course, with more unintended consequences. Um, I was going to ask you how you see your uh, lovely lady. I haven't talked to her in a couple of days, so I was hoping that she is um, well, trying to get some. Um, uh, I, I've been filling in the poppycock in her in her absence. So Yeah, no, she's uh, she, she's she's getting there. She's, she's not bad. Okay. Not bad at Good. all. Good. Well, send, send her. Taking uh, steps, all... to, positive steps in the right direction, definitely. Outstanding. Send her all my love. And uh, so I think I'll probably be uh, cocky popping. <laughs> <laughs> I sent her a couple of good articles that uh, I thought you guys would have a good old time breaking down. Uh, one was awesome. on the uh, a giant black hole in a distant galaxy that Ooh, is uh, nice. that has all of a sudden disappeared. Oh, and uh, what was the other one? I forget. And that was another space one I found too, and I sent her to her, and she thought they were both hysterical. So I'm sure you guys will be breaking down those uh, on a show coming soon to a station near you. Coming soon, indeed. And uh, I usually, you know, uh, I, I'll throw in some uh, mailbag stuff. We'll, we'll get all the uh, Florida man, you know, all the cocky pop stuff, all the usual suspects with the poppy crew tomorrow morning. So uh, we'll do that, Sue Finelli and all the kids. Uh, great to see you. And we'll see you tomorrow morning. And I'm going to sign off for now and um, go hang out with my lovely bride. I'll sign off here in a second. Oh, there is one thing that I don't think I've announced to anybody that I'm doing yet, and that's it's a secret. I am well, it's no longer a secret. I am oh. I'm, I'm working on a version of the Sound of Silence with none other than Brett William Dietz, the awesome, incredibly oh, talented awesome. maestro. Yeah, uh, he's already given me all the orchestration and everything. We we decided to do it as a primarily piano piece, but then he wrote this incredible orchestration yeah. to it so i'm trying my damnedest to get my voice back into shape enough so i can do it justice I, I used to be a pretty good singer years ago i don't just have that much time to be that musical so i am trying to sing this i'm like man i'm nothing compared to what i used oh, to be man. so so i'm Come taking on. my time to do it right like i'm practicing <laughs> every day again i'm i have a four octave range but it's kind of eh. so yeah, it's going to take a little while, but I, I just want to let everybody know that I'm going to do that. But it's not just the music side of it. Uh, it's also going to be a video. I, I, the reason why awesome. I chose it was because I want to make it be very impactful of what's going on today. I use a lot of imagery. So it's going, to be awesome, a, it's going to be a little mini movie, you know, three, four minutes, whatever yeah, it comes my, out to be. My vocal chops are <laughs> – oh, dear. I can still sing, but I'm not. I'm not like <sighs> – like I'm listening back to myself, and I'm like, I'm not letting anybody hear this. Like, no, if if, if you guys are gonna hear this, it's gonna be because I'm really good, and that I don't have to fix things, and because yeah. I'm not all about that. I was playing around in, uh, the other day, and I was, I I, <laughs> I went, oops, no, better not do that. So uh, I'll put that on the shelf for for the time being. But maybe if I um, <clears throat> finish, um, you can uh, I, I can tell um, as I have been quitting smoking that. Um, <clears throat> I can hear more phlegm. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, you know, a good mic, and so uh, as I as I heal from smoking, I hear more phlegm, and so uh, <clears throat> I'll have to, I guess, finish that up, uh, and we'll see how that goes. Yes, fuck the fucking fuckers, Doug. That's for sure. Just Absolutely. use auto tune. <laughs> yeah. no. I could do that. I could literally <laughs> sit here at my desk and do it line by line, and you'd probably never know because it's not like I'm that bad, and I'm just tweaking things. When you notice the auto tuning and and the actually the one I have I don't even have auto tune I have a, or I probably do somewhere in a bundle but I never use it, uh, but I, I use one called Melodyne that's a lot smoother unless you jack it hard, 
that's the one I've used to, to tweak vocals. But. Well, this is an old, old joke. Yeah, I guess it dates it now. It's 20 plus years old. Um, <laughs> joke about the difference between a, you know, a, a pro audio engineer and an amateur is that the, the uh, client comes to the, to the amateur audio engineer and, and says, hey, can, can you make me sound like that last share record? And the engineer says, I, I, I don't know how. <laughs> so the so the client goes to the to the professional engineer and says, "Hey, can you will you make me sound like like Sharon our last record?" And he says, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no." I'll tell no. you, you know what, what I actually use the most for. I, that's funny, but uh, what I actually no. use Melodyne for the most is to uh, make sure everything is properly in four thirty two. I, I check it on there, and if anything's yeah. a little out, yeah. like I just. I just That's uh, cool. Yeah, I like I like um, retuning stuff to 432 and playing around with it. It's it's a subtle change, but it it certainly is impactful. It's very interesting. Well, the thing I noticed about this, I know I've talked about this on the show before, but since we're talking about music a little bit before we run off here, I I noticed that it's it's a big difference that like let's say you take a Beatles song or something like that and you tune it down. It's it's completed, like it's already been done. But when you're building things track by track, like what I'm doing, and you're doing it at 432 it, it builds together something different than just in a different way yes the, it's something about the way the frequencies bloom together that's yes very the elements different. go together yeah yes. yeah there's just that's something true. to it i mean i could be just blowing smoke up my own ass but i think i hear it no i, I sense it i sense it as well it's like the conversation we were having as well right about um the fact that most humans can not hear past 20 kilohertz um you know i when i was younger i could hear nearly up to uh, about 32 like almost Jeez, <laughs> almost dog whistle dude. Uh, <laughs> i know man uh, i couldn't be anywhere near televisions crt um screens drove me crazy and um the teachers couldn't believe that i could hear it and i was like oh my god it's so loud you can't hear that shit anyway <clears throat> Um, so, uh, but most people can't hear past, uh, 20, but, um, we always knew making, uh, equipment that if you made very wide bandwidth equipment, like up to a hundred thousand, um, it sounded a lot better. It's like, well, why, why would that be the case? Well, it's additive synthesis. If you take the, the wider bandwidth stuff, it actually modulates the lower frequency things. Right. Um, in it's such adding a way harmonics. where it's, it is, it's adding harmonics. And, um, again, this goes into the, this whole idea of, uh, if you come back then to cymatics and frequency and, um, harmonics and harmony and resonance, um, it's, it's all connected, right? It, it is all, uh, uh fundamentally connected. Uh, and so when you're putting stuff together at that level, as you said, rather than a, as a completed work and then just shifting the whole thing down, but, uh, when you're building these things and the fundamental, uh, building blocks are each of them, uh, at that different frequency, I think that yes, what you what you get is a, a much better product. Absolutely. Well, we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully, I'll have that done sometime in the near future. It'll be but awesome. I'll yesterday is the first day that my voice behaved itself, and I don't know if it was the great big cup of hot turmeric tea I had drunk that cleared my throat out. But I, I was singing, I was practicing my own stuff just on my guitar, uh, and I'm like, oh, my voice is finally behaving itself. I'm not like being pushed be weirdly high. in weird ways where it's like my voice just wasn't cooperating because like i know how to i know how to do like weird control and change the the, the pitch like because i'm good at doing voices too like i can mimic things a lot and mm -hmm. so i know how to use like the back of my throat and things like that but it's like lately when i've been trying to push really hard with my singing voice it's just it's been faltering i'm like stop that <laughs> like do what i tell you yeah yeah right <laughs> no oh behave right yeah 
Yeah, baby. Uh, my my fingers do that sometimes. I do noodling before I start each of my shows. It's just um, you know, Im- improvisational, um, just extemporaneous. And sometimes um, the hands just don't do it. They're just like, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, I've got a digital connection with my Kemper, but I should I should do that myself. I'll just plug it in, send it over via Spitif, and I'll sit there and noodle around and my Les Pauls on on uh, some ambient tone or something. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, we have yeah, a lot of fun doing that. Um, all right, man. Uh, it is now past 8 o'clock, and I must, uh, on the West Coast, I must run off and spend time with the bride. She came in and asked me if I heard that military aircraft, and I'm like, yes, yes, I did. Mm. Uh, came in very low, so we're curious about that. Um, all so right, everybody. Have Let's sign off. A lot off. of spooks around. Thanks for being here. Uh, sorry about the last-minute change of uh, direction, but hey, I think we pulled it off just well. I didn't even realize how far we did. I looked up, and it was 9.17. I was like, oh, I guess we did get into something interesting because I wasn't even paying attention to the time. So hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, all right, take care, everybody. Sayonara. <laughs>
Thank you. 